Welcome back, cousin. In today's episode, we'll be speaking to relationship expert, Barry Selby. I'm your host, Adam Lamb. We'll be talking to Barry about his book, 50 Ways to Love Your Lover, what he stands for, and how he makes that manifest in the world. And this is your Manifesto Radio. This is Manifesto Radio with Adam Lamb. Health and wellness radio for men ready to create their version of masculinity. What are your values and how are you living that stand? And now your host, Adam Lamb. Yep, that's right. Oh, my cousin, let me tell you, I've been getting my ass kicked. Over the last 60 days, I've been immersed in the work of transformation. Not only my own, but I've also been learning how to pay the gift of freedom forward. I've learned some incredibly successful processes to quickly transmute past traumas, limiting beliefs, and recursive patterns of behavior and results. But it didn't come without a price. I had to face and finally accept my own bullshit, understanding that some of it came from a well-intentioned place. Regardless of where the intention sprang from, I had to swallow hard and realize that, ultimately, these ways of being were boxing me in. There was little freedom in being reactionary to circumstances. Even if I could collect evidence about why I had good reason to be autocratic, bombastic, and cocksure of myself, in the end, it was just a different whiff of the same old bullshit. I got thrown around a mat in a dojo with a fifth-degree black belt in Brazilian jiu-jitsu. I laughed out loud and jumped up fast to do it again, knowing that an old back surgery wasn't going to hold me back from living out loud again. I had to strip away all my emotional armor and get real standing face-to-face with another human being and practice what it's like to be transparent and vulnerable. I learned that I could be strong enough to be soft, allowing others to access their truth within themselves while I held a place for them to dive in. I learned to recognize greatness in others, all others. I came to understand that the only scarcity that's real is in my heart and in my head. I learned with great joy that both of these can be shifted with the truth of what is, not what others want me to believe. I faced the gap between my leadership style and true synergy in teams. Some of what I experienced hurt. It hurt to see how I've been in the past to those I loved and those I wanted to love. Regret, blame, shame came easily as I sunk into my self-debasement, pissed at myself and the world for two whole days. I learned that because it came so easy. It had been my normal operating system. What a successful game I'd been playing, doing things that would disappoint others and myself. Then I got to play the I'm going to kick my ass all over the place game, one with which I have much practice. Now to try something else. I'm starting a new practice now. It's the correction without invalidation game. It will come in handy in my work, but the real benefit will be when I can mind my gap and then self-correct without invalidation with myself. It'll be hard at first. I know I have a very well-practiced habit of being hard on myself, but I'll be patient. I've got all the time in the world. And in the end, my stand remains the same. My heart is open with an invitation for communion. You and me, cousin, together. Let's do this. And finally, this quote from John Mark Green. Change can be hard. It requires no extra effort to settle for the same old thing. Autopilot keeps us locked into past patterns. But transforming your life? That requires courage, commitment, and effort. It's tempting to stay camped in the zone of, that's just how it is. But to get to the really good stuff in life, you have to be willing to become an explorer, an adventurer. And I would add... Got to stay curious, cousin. Curiosity is where it's at. Let's take a quick break. You're listening to Manifesto Radio. All right. You put your fingers here and here. 
Move your other hand like this. I'm gonna play along with you, okay? just joining us you're listening to manifesto radio with me adam lamb hey cousin in case you didn't know i assist men in getting their balls back by reconnecting them to their authentic masculine power if you're ready to get into action and step deeper into your life then I encourage you to schedule a totally free bullshit free discovery call with me no obligation just direct transparent and supportive conversation at adammlamb.com forward slash freedom all links are available in the show notes and here's our interview with Barry. And uh, we're going to welcome to the show Barry Selby. Uh, Barry is an author, speaker, and relationship expert. Uh, fascinatingly, he is a man who coaches women uh, in relationship or about relationships. He's uh, written a bestseller book, a uh, bestselling book, uh, 50 Ways to Love Your Lover, a takeoff of the uh, Paul Simon song. And he also does a really great Facebook Live every day around 4.30 Pacific time. Uh, called Messages from the Masculine. So we're going to get into a little bit of all that stuff. But uh, thank you very much, Barry, for being on the show. It's my pleasure to be here. Thanks for having me. It's going to be fun. I know that we have kind of uh, circled each other uh, over the last couple of years, and this is the first opportunity that we're actually getting together to speak to one another. Uh, so yeah. I want to say that I'm just tickled tickled that we get this opportunity to do that. I love it. It's going to be – yeah, I'm looking forward to this. Thank you. Um, for those – listeners shame on them who are perhaps not familiar with your work can you can kind of give them kind of the abridged version of uh your story and what you're doing right now in the world abridged okay let's try this <laughs> <laughs> well first of all the accent may give it away but i'm actually english or they lived in the states for over 30 years hang on <laughs> i trying to choke myself it's quite all right Um, and I was not, by any stretch of the imagination, a Casanova or a, um, or a Lever what's the word? Lothario. That's the word. That's the word. Yeah. None of that stuff. So I was, I was a real klutz as a kid. I mean, I was a shy kid. I was a shy boy growing up. Right. He was, and, and actually I was, I was that shy that in high school I was bullied for about five years. Hmm. And it meant basically I didn't feel safe around most of the other kids, particularly the boys. But the girls I had a particular safety with because they, one, they didn't beat me up and two, they took pity on me. And what ended up happening was I became this like safe place they would come and talk to because I was a guy, but I wasn't threatening. I didn't right. date any of them, I didn't, you know, but they would come and cry on my shoulder. And 
over the years, I've always had this gift of being this safe place, which sucked for my romantic life. But it helped in terms of being a safe place for women to come to. They could trust me. And I built that um, inside in a way that was right my strength. It was also one of my things I felt, I felt great um, respect for and appreciation for myself, that I could do that for women. Right. And it wasn't something I pained. I just sort of started doing it as a kid. Right. So, uh, after you. so was there a specific event or circumstance in your life where you decided that you were going to take this proclivity of creating a safe space for women and you said, you know, really, I should actually just do this professionally? Um, yeah, really. The biggest piece of the puzzle was um, I've, I've done a lot of work over the years, a lot of training, so I've become very aware of my own behavior and patterns and stuff. So I go, well, that's interesting. I don't always fix it, but I'm usually very aware of stuff. <laughs> in 2006, um, I had the third relationship in a row where the same thing happened after over about three or four years. And it was kind of like, oh, I get it now. Like I, hadn't, I had not done anything about it the first two times, but the third relationship, I was like, okay, this is clear. I mean, looking back, it's so obvious. I should have seen it as I saw like light bulbs went off. Right. But it was that she ran the relationship from start to finish. And I was so out of alignment. I wasn't taking charge. I wasn't leading. I didn't know any of that stuff. And, I mean, she asked me out in the first place, which should have given me a clue. <laughs> and, and, and the sex was great. So chemistry was not a problem. That was wonderful. Right. At the end of it, she dumped me because I wasn't taking charge and leading like she thought her man should do. And I knew something inside of me wasn't doing that for some reason. And thankfully, I discovered some teachers that in 2007 and 8 changed my life. And the biggest piece I got to understand was how so many women don't know about what they're like to be in their feminine power. And how, because when I got to know what I was as a masculine man, because I never had a clue before that. Right. But I'm realizing how powerful I would be in that true place, especially in respect to women. As in women, when they're feminine, are amazing. And so many women have no clue because they're usually doing the thing in the masculine themselves. They're running the show like men are. I right. dated women that I know. And I played the beta male too many times. So what I got clear about was my natural gift with women was to really be a good counsel for them and support her. And at that point, I'd been a spiritual counselor for about seven or eight years and I had a master's in spiritual psychology. So I knew how to counsel and coach. And women, frankly, <laughs> they listened better so I could work with them more easily than men. <laughs> Let's be clear about this. <laughs> well, they seem to get it faster or at least understand that there's something that they should be getting. Well, this the, okay, let me say this point. This is the thing I've been become really aware of. Us white men the straight ones especially, have a real resistance to change. Mm. We think we're doing fine. And it's truly, it's the, it's the minorities, the ones that have been put upon, who have been told they're wrong, who seek ways to be better. So women, um, Hispanics, African-American, gay, anybody who's not the straight white male, because the straight white males run the show for so long, you know, we're, we're told we're okay, we're fine, we're perfect, because we're the, we're the ones that know how to do things. Right. It's not true, but we're told that. So we don't do any work, and we don't think there's anything wrong with us until midlife crisis, nervous breakdown, cheating on our partners. These things happen when we go, maybe it's not so easy. Then we find a way to change. Right. Now, to, to back up a little bit, you said yeah. that you had the third failed relationship in a row when you said, geez, maybe I should take a look at this. I, I mean, that's a pretty perceptive thing. I mean, I know uh, for myself, uh, sometimes I can kind of be – uh, how should I say, kind of oblique, you know, I'll, I'll bang my head against the wall until my forehead starts bleeding and probably not even wonder why the hell the wall's not moving. So what do you right. think about you in that particular time that had you kind of take a step back and say, well, shit, maybe this is something I need to look at. 
um, because at that point I'd done quite a lot of spiritual work and personal growth work, and I'd said I got my master's degree in spiritual psychology, I believed I knew some stuff. <laughs> but also I was more self-aware in the sense I'd become aware of what I was up to. And when the third relationship happened, I could see it was like telegraph to me. It was going, hang on a second, I've been here before. Right. And I realized that I was the common denominator. You know, these women were all different, very different, in fact. All three of them were very different physically, different personalities, different styles. But it was me that was the common denominator. And I went, okay, if I'm messing up again, it ain't them. It's got to be me. Yeah, I think, and this might be just my take on it, but I think that there's a lot of guys out there that like, uh, that like their women to be kind of front forward and aggressive, you know, that they don't necessarily, and I'm not, of course, not speaking for all men, but there's probably a large segment of men that, you know, like the fact that, you know, the woman would ask you out and that would maybe take charge in bed. I think a lot of men think that that's great, that they don't necessarily have to put in too much work because they're putting in so much work during the daytime, earning a living, blah, blah, blah. They just right. want to get taken care of and they want, they want to get done. Right. right. Yeah. I did too. No, I had no argument. But the reality was, though, I was not really truly, and say this in a nice way, a truly powerful feminine woman loves a man that can take charge. In fact, she wants a man that takes charge. And most women, especially the business women, especially women I hung out with, they were busy doing what men were doing. They are competing, fighting, getting the job done, taking charge, and they're tired. So when you put that demand on them to take care of you as well, they burn out. And women, frankly, are crying out to be taken care of when they get home as well. So yes, at times, certainly for most men, to be taken care of by a woman is glorious, it's wonderful. And when she runs the show, it's fun. But she does it all the time, Something's going to break. Usually it's her. Yeah, and I think that there's um, a growing body of evidence, um, uh, uh, medical evidence, that shows that as, as women uh, act out in a masculine fashion and they continue to do that not only at work but at home, that it runs, it, it makes their hormones go crazy. And yes. in the same way for men, uh, you know, if they're in a subservient position and if they're in a, a feminine or a more docile position at work and then they also do that at home, then again, that screws up their hormones. And now all of a sudden you've got two people who are dancing with these different identities with the masculine and the feminine and really not showing where to stand. And so well, what do you perceive are those masculine ways of being that you're advocating for how you showed up? in that subsequent relationship? Um, frankly, and this is part of the evolution that we're going through as men, is that we weren't trained this way. And normal way of being was to be like the macho man running the show, taking charge. It's the old, I mean, it's the old back to Archie Bunker and all the family. Yeah. We weren't trained to be conscious, heart-based, um, purpose-driven men. That's kind of the thing we're growing into. And that's the thing I think the difference is most men of the old paradigm are very self-centered and not self-elevating, um, but self-ego-driven. You know? right. right. It's all about them and everyone else has got to serve them. Exactly, which is yeah. what a lot of women hate. So a lot of men have said, well, I can't do that because it doesn't work. They don't know there's another choice. And so, at least, let me speak personally, I didn't know there's another choice. Yeah. So I became like, okay, then I'll just do nothing and I'll just go along with the flow for the ride, which is what happened and it didn't work. What I discovered in the work that I've been doing, which sounds so obvious now and look back at it, is... When I'm in my masculine heart and I really live in my truth, I'm here to make a difference. I'm here to make an impact that improves everything around me. 
And right. that drive is what gives me the power to stand into a masculine place. And frankly, I believe it makes me a more attractive man to a woman because I'm not looking at her to fix me or make me feel good. Exactly. And I just want to put a caveat, uh, you know, Archie Bunker and all of the family was uh, originally an English show. So, <laughs> so thank you, England, for giving us yeah, that, yeah. Uh, that archetype. Oh, I'm sorry, I remember. Yeah, thank you. Just for a flashback. I remember that show now. I remember the character. I can't remember the name of the show, but I remember the character. Yeah, yeah. Right. I, I think it was somebody who worked down in mine. I'm going down yeah. mine. And he had a flat cap on. I remember. Yeah, I remember the show now. Exactly. And so <laughs> what is your objective with messages from the masculine? Because as I'm hearing you talk, I find that a lot of what you're saying uh, would... Uh, to a self-aware man, to someone who knows that there's something to get, the things that you're talking about would like pique my interest and go like, he's got something there that maybe I should be listening to. But in fact, you're actually directing your message to the women. Mm -hmm. And so, and so what is your, like, why would you choose that? And why would you choose messages from the masculine as that vehicle and what are you actually trying to communicate to to the ladies <laughs> well the full title of the talks are called meshes and it's too long to put on there so i put i say it in the verbal part which is the meshes for masculine to inspire the feminine heart that's the whole title got it and here's my messages are supposed to speak, are intended to speak to women to wake them up partly because they can become clients because that's what a coach is women the second part is in the talks is that a lot of what i talk about is if men listen in they'll see oh that's how to work with a woman that's how to help a woman you know, I did a talk um, a few days ago that talks about how I, uh, the way it set it up was it was intentionally the slight men in this case said, ladies, are you still dating weak men? And here's why. And it talks about the analogy of musical chairs where it seems like men and women in relationship are dancing around this last chair, which is the masculine role, and they're fighting for it without realizing it. But the mistaken approach in this hit me as I was talking about it was the men and the women are fighting for that role. If the woman relaxes and realizes that all the other chairs around the circle are hers, and that's the feminine energy, let the man have his masculine role, and she can embrace the feminine, which is more powerful. And when she does that, the relationship can be healthy. But when you keep fighting for that leadership role in the relationship, nobody wins. Correct. And about, when you said about you know, that women burn out, men do too, because we're not aligned to our true nature. Right. That's so, that's so very, very powerful. And, and that statement about uh, dating weak men, it's almost like there was a paradigm set up that, um, that because of the women's liberation and sexual liberation movements in the 60s and early 70s, that, that masculinity in of itself started to get a really fucking bad name, especially when it was, when it was aligned with patriarchy. So there were these women who, uh, let's put it bluntly, there were some radical feminists that wanted to paint all men with that brush. So yes. for a lot of us out there, uh, it became almost dangerous for us to stand as authentic male or men grounded in, you know, this reasonable sense of manhood. So all of a sudden you're either hyper feminine or you're hyper feminized or very ultra spiritual, or you go the opposite way, which is hyper masculine and you're doing Spartan races and all that kind of stuff. And right from what I'm hearing you say that there's this whole vast middle ground that gets to be kind of played with. Yeah. The way the, the labeling I'm using is kind of like there's the, uh, I've got the awakened masculine and then like the asleep masculine. <laughs> right. right, right. The macho. Because yes, absolutely. The feminist movement, the sexual revolution, it gave women the power to live their own lives because up until that point, women were always second class. They were the ones that stayed at home until a man came courting 
and then he would take her out of the place because they didn't have bank accounts, they didn't have cars, they couldn't drive, none of that stuff in the 50s. Yeah. In the 60s, everything shifted where women said, oh, I can make my own money now. Right. I can get my apartment, drive a car, I don't need a man now. I strongly believe, to be honest, that maybe where the, where the lesbian um, movement, not movement, but where women, women were choosing lesbian because they didn't need men anymore, they could play with a woman because it was more comfortable. Yeah, so, there are. I've, I've seen certain statements about, you know, I don't need a man to love me. Or, uh, you know, there's some very strong opinions about that. So how do you, from your perspective, see the Me Too movement and its rippling effects in, uh, because I think that, uh, you know, these particular things that are coming up, you know, those ripples echo all the way through of relationships, whether they're, you know, so how do you, how do you view that? I think, frankly, and it hit me when you are talking earlier about this, that, this shift where men are having to wake up, a lot of those men who are um, perpetrating behavior that is creating some upset with women, Correct. which has been abuse or harassment, those sort of things, is back to the old macho, my, me first, screw everybody else type attitude. The awakened man, as, he, as men wake up to being more masculine, more connected to who they really are, would never do that because they respect women. Right. The Me Too movement is born out of men who don't respect women, which is the problem. Well, they, they don't respect women or other powerful men. I mean, the thing about patriarchy is it would very often take away the power not only of a woman, but of a, but right. a strong, healthy man because it's, a, you know, power knows no gender. Right, and it's a competition, so, so whoever wins, wins. Nobody else wins. It's like yeah. one winner loses, yeah. Yeah, so insofar as your, your coaching practice and your, and your professional life, what would you say are your core missions right now? Or your core mission? Um, boy. For me, it comes down to really supporting women, as I mentioned, that's the work I do, but it's largely because I feel like, and this is my big vision, yep. is the world needs to be run by the feminine. Now, I don't mean women necessarily, because feminine is in both men and women, but the feminine energetic is what creates collaboration and cooperation and creates inclusion, which is what we need to save the planet. Because right now, with the separation, as we see in this country, we're going down a path we don't, need to, we don't want to go too far down. We're going to take this country over a cliff where we'll never come back from. Right. And the separation is because we're trying to be no, I'm right. No, I'm right. No, I'm right. Which is the which is the male mindset, the limited, singular, macho male, my me first, screw you type energy, which is what's happening in this country. Yep. So part of my work is to change the world, <laughs> which of course you know takes up a little bit of time. But in the smaller world, I'm helping a lot of women heal their hearts because I've always felt this. Um, it's almost like I hear, I can feel when women's hearts are wounded, and it hurts me in the way that I feel, and I can help change that because I see a woman who's been hurt by a man. Again, back to my childhood, I saw that happen as a teenager. I can now do something about helping them heal that. And as women get more whole, secondly, sorry, as part of that, they become more feminine, which is, again, helps them to get healthy again. And that helps men wake up. Because the truth is also, by doing this with women, the more women that wake up, that's going to help more, women, more men wake up. So I'm sort of going around the back door to do it because men aren't necessarily listening to other men as much yet. Some are. But the more I can work with women, Men will go, hang on, there's something going on here. <laughs> and my sideways in. <laughs> yeah, I was, uh, I was taken aback by a post I read um, uh, by a woman whose uh, name is Eden Davis. She goes by Sarah Eden Davis, but she prefers to be called Eden Davis uh, on Facebook and had a chance to have a little conversation with her because um, hopefully she's going to uh, do one of the subsequent shows. Nice. She, she started out the post uh, with a kind of a... Uh, 
uh, kind of a red herring saying, uh, are, are women more evolved than men? Question mark. And, <laughs> and throughout the post, what she was, uh, what she was at, what she was saying is she was kind of like putting her finger on this trend among some women to not necessarily to hold men down, but there's a way in which they're, uh, like, uh, you know, why don't you guys do your work? What the hell's taking you so long? Um, you know, as if they have to do their work separate from being in the relationship with the feminine. And what she was advocating was, um, as you so eloquently put it, like being a soft place to land yes. for these men, like, like creating a space that which they can actually grow into. And that, um, very, very much like you said, you know, having a soft place to land in my own experience, having a soft place to land caused me to want to soften as well. And so she's like putting out this point, like, uh, ladies, uh, wake up. I mean, she's not saying that you have to not have standards and not, not have it. But I was having a conversation with my wife in which she said, uh, you know, I'm really tired. And I said, why is that? And she said, well, I've been holding this, been holding the container for the relationship for so long and just waiting you waiting for you to catch up to it. And I, that statement kind of hit me hard. So here she had this expectation of what the relationship could be like. Um, and as far as she was concerned, I wasn't showing up. Uh, and so I encouraged her to actually just throw the container down and let it shatter into a million pieces because I had the sneaking suspicion that the relationship could be far more than just the expectations. So right. how, do, how do expectations, not only for the feminine, but for the masculine, how do those expectations end up tripping people up in in this wonderful dance of relationship well the biggest thing is we assume stuff we don't actually communicate ah. so part of the puzzle like you were talking about your wife if you're talking about this maybe six months ago a year ago and has some ideas you may have said oh well, let's go this direction instead of that direction maybe she wouldn't have held that container for this long without having at least some input or feedback so for all of us it's like we don't recognize sometimes that what we're thinking isn't what the other person's hearing <laughs> and it's like and the, the thing is it's kind of the idea is that we think we're talking to the other person but nine times out of ten do we actually go okay so what did you hear me say right and we don't know what that means and especially right. women women to men it's it's like two languages well they did both uh each of the masculine and the feminine brain process information completely differently don't right. they it's, it's yeah. a completely diff different uh, neuroelectrical highway in there. And uh, not only do they process information, but they also, uh, like women can figure out what they're feeling by talking with their girlfriends. Yeah. They're kind of just going, they're talking, and then all of a sudden they figure out how they feel. Whereas for men, they have to hold it inside of them until they, you know, crush it and figure it out and wrestle it to the ground and then finally decide how you feel. And now I have a plan to conquer it. Yeah. Neither one of those on the extreme are actually very helpful, but somewhere in the middle is great. How much of your work actually revolves around this critical component of communication? A lot of it. Let's <laughs> be blunt. You know, I mean, there's several chats in my book talk about this too, but the thing is, because I've learned over the years how much we don't know about each other. I mean, this, the, I, I've studied with some real wonderful teachers now, Alison Armstrong's one of, my, one of my favorites. Her work in the, with the work now, understanding men and satisfying women, just to realize that the fact that women, make an assumption that we men are just hairy women and don't get that we're different. Ah, yes. That, she puts it, it's so, it's like, oh, that's what it is. Yes. Women don't realize that we don't think the same way. We don't feel the same way. We don't express the same way. 
when we realize that, it's like, oh, we need a translator. We need to communicate. We need to sit down and go, okay, so what does that mean for you? You know, there's, there's one thing I remember that, that um, she talked about this, how the spectrum of feeling that women have is 20,000 times more than men do. Uh, like, like visual cortex, for example, something where we think and see things. Yeah. The way we think things for most men is like, there's basically the primary colors, the rainbow, but that's it. And for women, for blue, there's 17,000 variations because of the colors of the dress they wear. They go with a different shade of nail varnish, something else like that. Whereas you go, that's blue. And so we don't communicate. Let's take a quick break. You're listening to Manifesto Radio. Just joining us, you're listening to Manifesto Radio with me, Adam Lamb. And now, back to our interview with guest, Barry Selby. I don't think that either one is wrong. I think that's just the way it is, and it helps for for what their kind of primary mission, if, if I, I don't want to distill it down into a simplification, but if women's role is to birth the world, so to speak, then they would already be hardwired for for protection, for scanning for issues or problems or disruption to the harmony, whereas man is kind of like a point go do. Exactly. Yeah. Kind of like the tip of the spear, so to speak. Am I simple? Yeah. Am I oversimplifying? No, I mean the the, the teach the, the functionality of our origins are we were the hunters, we were the pursuers, we go out for the target. But the problem is we didn't know if somebody was attacking us from behind because we wouldn't look behind us. We we're always focused on forward, going ahead, going ahead. Right. Because women do have that ability to sort of see around them and have that protective instinct that is um, caring but also powerful too. You know, the feminine has the ability to like protect the whole village, protect all the, you know, to do the right things and know where to go, the right place to be. What's the men are hunting, they do nine times the work. Right. But it's recognizing that's natural for them. If you put women as the hunters, they tend to lose their way. If you put men as the gatherers, the protectors, we lose our way. So it's that thing about keeping in our unique roles and like staying in your lane but also respecting the other one as well. There's no difference of importance, no difference of respect. They're just different. Would it be an oversimplification to say that at, at our core, the masculine wants to be acknowledged and the female wants to be nurtured? Or the feminine wants to be nurtured? That's about it, yeah. And um, I can't remember where I saw it, but it was one of these kind of like tips to guys, like if you really wanted to be able to have a great relationship, you know, you come home and you clean the gutters and you take out the garbage and you don't say anything about it. And for the woman, uh, for the woman, uh, make your sandwich a man for no particular reason. <laughs> right. It's really, it's simplistic in a way, but the truth is that is it for us, for us men, you know, some, some, I mean, I've seen posts before on Facebook about this, that 
when men do the washing up, it's very sexy because when you take the work off a woman so she doesn't have to do it, she actually appreciates that. So it's not like being feminized, like, oh, you're washing the dishes, you're being womanly. It's like, no, I do it because I know I'm going to get sex. (laughs) 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 Not not saying because it's going to do that, but because my woman's going to feel taken care of and she can relax because I'm taking the pressure off of her, taking the load off. You know, there's um, one of the things I remember one of my teachers said about how when you're in a relationship, because we both go out and work, we both go out and achieve, we both go and get goals, we're both bringing home the bacon. If you get home before your partner, one of the best things you can do for her is when she comes home after, after you, you make sure that you've got a hot bath running for her with soap suds and candles. You take her keys, her purse, her phone, her bag from her, you direct her to the bathroom and say, I'll see you in half an hour. That is an awesome tip, man. So, listeners, I hope you just wrote that one down because that is a great I, – I hate to call it a tactic, but it's certainly a great way to look at it. And if you found it on everything, like in what way you could be in service and yes. take pressure off her. Um, I spent about 30 years in uh, the hospitality industry as an executive chef, and I know that there's probably a lot – well, it's changed since the Food Network came out, obviously. Oh, yeah, but, yeah. But prior to that, um, regardless of the fact that there were men chefs all the way back to Louis the Fourteenth days, cooking in of itself was always viewed as a woman's job. Mm-hmm. And so I had disconnected from from this aspect of of nurturing or being in service until I had a conversation. I was really frustrated, and I went and talked to the general manager, and who was a woman. And uh, of course, she would be able to see this. And she said, Adam, don't you see the God in what you do? And I said, what are you talking about? You know, I just put stuff on a plate. And she said, no, 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 no. If you go out today, uh, you go get gas, you put a card in, in, in the pump, you go to the ATM, you don't see a person. All these things in our daily lives are disconnected now from the social interaction that we used to take for granted. And you get the reason to come around a table and to be in relationship with one another. She said, for me, there's, there's a sanctity to that. And I kind of stood back from that and said, yeah, I guess I really am in service to these people. And so I kind of get what you're saying about setting up the bathtub and letting her take her time. Um, yes. Cooking a meal is probably a really great thing to do. Oh, yeah. I think, to be honest, most women would admit in the secret of the secret of their own heart, but when a man cooking is very sexy to them. So I, ima- I imagine in your work, you have a unique insight into not only to the, to the thoughts or feelings of women. And so what are a couple other things that you've heard from them that we as men uh, and, uh, could take on as things to do so that they get how much we really care about them? Um, that would matter to them because I, doing it, I, I, can, I can imagine – that my wife might appreciate something, but it might be totally full of shit. You know, it might be just what I would appreciate. Well, some things that you're right. Well, things I recommend, and these are things that I don't say speak to every single woman and every right. single man that I recommend. I mean, this is one of the things I've talked about a long time because it really pissed me off. Um, come from England, even though I wasn't raised high class, I always had a thing about being a gentleman. It's like, it's in my DNA because in England, we just, you know, we do things. You like open the door, help them out, that sort of stuff. Exactly. Men don't do that now because of the, what's been happening since the sexual revolution. Because women are like, I take care of myself. And the reality is that women, what happens for women nowadays, they think that when a man does something for her, they somehow think that they're trying to take the power away from them. Right. And what I feel is if, if we men show women respect by doing things and show respect in how we're doing it, so opening the door for them, opening all their coats, 
Um, you make sure they get in the car first, that sort of stuff. It can help them remember, one, that they deserve it, two, they're being respected, and three, they're taken care of. Yeah, and I think what the, the caveat that you, that you made about from respect or with respect is very important. Instead of it being a ploy in order to get into somebody's pants, to be able to do it yes. from, you know, no, I am, you know, I watched, I watched, uh, I watched uh, the new, um, oh boy, the name's going to escape me, um, a Roman Israel Esquire with Denzel Washington, mm-hmm. and a, uh, who's kind of an old school attorney. He's almost like on the spectrum some, somewhere, and he, it's a two-person law firm, and his partner has a heart attack, and he's been the one that's kind of been in the back room typing up motions, has never really been out front because he tends to say things that infuriate people. <laughs> he gets asked to do a presentation in front of a group of millennials who are going to go out and do a protest. And he's kind of reconnecting to how it was in the 60s when he was doing that type of work. Right. Um, and he says something to – there are two women standing on a uh, – leaning against a post. And he says to the guy sitting in the chair, he said, you know – Brother, why are why are there why are there two sisters standing and the brother is sitting in the chair? Why don't you just get up? And in the movie, the women have a real hard time with this. They like, and it devolves into a shouting match where she's like, "I don't need you to give me a chair. I can take a chair when I want to. I don't need you." He's like, "It's just you know, it's just chivalry. It's just being a gentleman. I don't want you to be, you know, you're not my brother and all this kind of stuff." So I, I think that there's, I think there's a certain segment out, out there of women who genuinely don't want men to do anything for them. Not right. to say that that's bad. I mean, nobody wants to take anyone else's power away. Right. But, but if I'm hearing you correctly, there's, again, a way to be kind of that soft place to land so that they understand that. It's, it's, it's a piece I want to say, because this, this happened, I was up in the Bay Area probably four years ago. I was up dealing with a friend of mine. It was, it was high summer. We're sitting outside having like dessert, sitting outside the restaurant. And this couple walks by. Uh, they were younger, young couple, probably early thirties, and she was drop dead gorgeous. She had she was, she was suntan. She had a short short summer dress on, had a like um, like high heels, not not I mean like you know casual sandal high heels, mm-hmm. and uh, dressed up nicely. She had a little bit of makeup on hair done. She looking good. Her boyfriend, presumably his boyfriend, was all wrong. He had he had torn jeans on, a um, a, a crumpled t shirt, baseball cap on backwards, and flip flops. And I was ready to jump out of my chair. I said to my friend, hold me back, because I was going like, to jump out and grab him by the scruff of the neck and say, dude, can you show us some respect? Right. And it's that simple thing. And it's, it's that is, you know, like, I, I mean, I, I would joke around, I'd wear a dress shirt, some of my videos, because I want to look presentable. But if I go out with a woman, I'll do that for her. And it's not for me, necessarily. It's, it's almost like, I want to dress up because you deserve it. And that's a different thing from saying I want to get something. So, so do so do you think that those ideas of chivalry and respect? Do you think that those are outdated? That those are outmoded forms of of behavior based upon what we're seeing in the media and all that stuff? I mean, do you think that do you think that women care about that anymore? I would say it's the other way around. Is that what's happened is becoming extinct because people have forgotten it. It's not uh, that it's being denied. It's more about I think respect is more important now than ever, especially with the Me Too movement. Yeah. Chivalry is the delineation between um, trying to take and giving. It's the right. clarity you know, come from a place of respect and out of out of chivalry. What we're doing for women is paying them paying them the um, respect they deserve, and it puts us in a place of equality. It's healthy. 
because shiva is not about supplication or being less than it's about i realize that you're invaluable and i'm going to show you that by caring for you by opening the door for you right and that's a very different energetic and frankly i think we bring shivery back more as a way of being not false but natural it'll change everything in terms yeah. of the way that we do movement that time's up because it will change how we treat women how men do and how women are treated so this is going to sound like a really stupid question but why did you write your book <laughs> Um, I didn't write my book, really. <laughs> this is the whole point. <laughs> it was funny. <laughs> I, literally, my book and the title came about because I ended up with 50 principles. Is I, and I still look at my book and go, I wrote this. It's really <laughs> <good book." laughs> That's cool. Because um, about a year and a half prior to when the book came out, I was sort of a friend of mine who's a marketing guy, and he said, I want to start putting out what I do, how I do things. And that time was on Facebook and Twitter. He said, put out posts about what you do. Um, okay, some ideas. So I put out, so every day or two, I put out a couple of posts like that. And over about a month or two, I had about 60 different posts I'd got on social media. Mm-hmm. But like it does nowadays, Facebook, you know, scrolls down and just goes off the page. So I kept copying them, saving them to a Word document, thinking I'd use them for a workshop or a newsletter or something I'd do with them. And literally, I heard a voice in my head say, write a book. And I was ignoring it for about three weeks, two or three weeks. And eventually, after that voice would not stop, I said to that voice, fine, how do I do it? And they literally laid out the whole plan for me because what I'd done without realizing it is I'd written the stem sentence for every single chapter in the book. What I'd written. And so I did that. I had a book in six weeks. (laughs) I need to write a book. And the funny thing was, is, you know, I didn't plan on doing publishing. I ended up self-publishing because a friend of mine showed me how to do it on Amazon. Right. I got bestseller because I heard through a friend of mine how you can do it on Kindle. Back then, there was a little system you could use. It changed now, but you could do it so easily. And so every single step kept showing up. I, it was effortless in a way. And it's funny because I'm doing a second book coming out in September that I'm collaborating on. It's actually going to be 20-plus authors together in a book, which is even easier because I have to write one chapter. Right. But it's the same thing. It's, it's not like I'm a published author, even though I've got my second book coming out. It is this wiring inside. I haven't got that I'm actually a writer. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I totally get it. <laughs> so that explains, that explains it. That's why it came about. <laughs> <laughs> and have, have you used, I mean, do you have group session coach, uh, uh, like workshops or weekend retreats or group coaching programs? I, mo- I, I do private coaching. I don't do coaching group coaching because the user stuff is pretty intimate, private. Right. I am co-leading a workshop that started um, one, one Sunday a month for five months. We did the first one in April, the second one in May locally here, which a friend of mine actually asked me to join her on. She's already doing it. Um, and I've got some stuff brewing, but nothing defined yet. So yeah, I, I, retreats will be fun, but I want to find a collaborator for that because I don't do it on my own. Got that's it. the other thing. I'm doing is with a friend of mine and she and I have a good balance that works. And that's yeah. and, and I totally get that your meaning behind, you know, the work is so intimate and you're talking about, you know, you're going to places that would make people feel probably uncomfortable if it was in a group dynamic. So, so to have that, again, as you said, that's that safe space where someone can show up and be all of who they are without fear of being judged or anything like that. It's got to be pretty powerful for them. Yeah. That's, that's why I love doing it. And it does take, that's why we're going to do three to six months because for most people, it takes that that much time to unfold and unpack what's in the way. And plus the change habits that takes time to instill new ways of being. So it does take a journey and one-on-one is much easier because with groups, it is definitely people reticent to show their, you know, their bare selves, as it were. Right. And I think also um, 
if, if somebody's used to hiding, you know, that they kind of like live their life under the radar in a group setting, they'll actually show up in the, in the group setting the same way that they show up in their life without even realizing it, you know, and all right. of a sudden you've got this person who's probably not said anything in the last two and a half hours. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I have two final questions for you, actually three, but uh, so, um, Barry, you're, you're obviously, uh, very focused about what you want your life to stand for and you know, what your core beliefs are. Um, and you're living that out, you know, on Facebook, in your coaching, doing your workshops. To someone, to someone who might find that they have a similar superpower of creating safe space or, or whatever, if there's somebody out there in, in the listening audience that probably, they're, they're wondering how the hell they go ahead and live their stand in the world what piece of advice would you give them if they're just kind of like, like right now on the sidelines and, and, and wondering about how they dip their toe in the water? Um, boy. Well, the first of all, one thing is, is that it's, let's say this. First of all, you're needed now more than ever. So if you have that feeling, don't deny it. Second thing is because social media is so prevalent and it's free, you can start launching your ideas and putting your, your, your um, themes out there pretty easily. You might get feedback that's not positive or negative. It might be good. It might be bad. But the thing is you can do it without spending a lot of money on it. And I'm not being a business coach, so I can't talk about how you just have the structure. Right, exactly. I would say just trust your heart. And if you feel you've got a message that's valuable to other people, share it and see what happens. You know, talk to your friends, talk to your people in the local community, and do it online and see what happens. Social media is a great place to explore things and you need to know that sometimes people aren't like what you say. I definitely push people's buttons in my posts. <laughs> <laughs> I <think> you too. <laughs> yeah, get a thick skin. It's probably a great yeah. piece of advice. Or a bear ass and bear naked heart. <laughs> right. And uh, I want to ask a relationship question. And I, uh, the other day I read an incredibly uh, beautiful article on the Daily Beast. This woman... Uh, wanted to do uh, wrote a piece on this group, the Incel, uh, which are these group of young men who uh, they self-identify as the involuntary um, involuntary um, boy. I have to think of this. What's the word for uh, what's the word for someone? Ah, okay. So let me start again. <laughs> okay. So so I read a great post on on the Daily Beast about this woman who was trying to understand the motivation behind the gentleman who uh, took his van and killed, uh, killed a dozen people uh, on the streets of Toronto. And it turns out this guy is, group, is part of a group called the Incel, which is short for involuntarily, involuntary celibate. And this is a group of young men. I'm sorry? Involuntary self what? Invol or, uh, involuntary celibates. Oh, celibates, okay. Involuntary celibates. So these are young men who have not had a great, uh, have not had great experience with dating women. Perhaps they've never had a successful relationship. Um, so they not only self-identify as as this group, but they also take great consolation in the fact that they can be with one another and share about some some very often some very tragic circumstances the way they've been treated with women. Um, mm -hmm. And Jordan Peterson, who's a professor, a professor in Toronto, uh, this is one of his focuses in trying to 
trying to bridge a conversation to these guys um, because he sees what's happening with these guys as being heartbroken. You know, they are commiserating with one another about the negativity of what's going on. And sometimes that breeds some radical feelings and talk. And unfortunately, in this particular instance, action. Um, But if you were to reach out to one of these young men who feel like they're never, ever going to have a successful relationship, um, and so why should they bother? What would you say to them? Um, well, first of all, say been there, done that. Because because uh, you were bullied and made fun of in school as well, weren't you? Yeah, my, my early day in life wasn't pretty, to be honest. And it's hard to say what the necessary the right path is. Right. But first of all, the biggest piece is recognize whatever happened to you doesn't guarantee your future is going to be different. It'll be the same, rather. That you don't have to take your past and make sure the future matches that. So whatever happened to you before, you can change. And I mean, I don't want to say, but, but the guy who did mow down those people in Toronto, I don't think, I hope he didn't take being in that group as the reason why he did it. No, 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 no. no yeah, he's he obviously had his own motivation. That was, that was one of the reasons that this woman wrote this article because she wanted to find some compassion and empathy for the guys that were in this group and, and spoke yeah. to one in particular who wanted to make sure that everybody understood that this is, this is not what the entire group is about. It's just in every group, there's bound to be some radical players. And this one, unfortunately, acted out. And that's not what we're about. But still, right. there's a bunch of guys who think that, you know, they'll never, ever have a great relationship ever with another with a woman. Well, that's the first. That's the problem. It's because they're thinking that's going to happen. So you're going to manifest that reality. So as we all know, you know, what we say becomes law is what we do. So as Henry Ford said, you know, think you can or think you can't, you're right. Right. So for so if they think that, then they're going to keep producing that. So if you want to be different, first of all, you might want to relabel the group, you know, like hopeful lovers or something like that, because the, the direction they're going in is where they want to go differently. And so the truth is, maybe they have no social skills. Maybe they have some bad upbringing. Maybe they were abused when they were kids. Maybe they're sexually harassed, sexually um, molested by their by their dad or by their brother or by their uncle or something yeah. like that. Whatever happened to them does not mean they can't have a healthy relationship. It's a matter of get support, get help, get guidance, get some clues that you can actually have healthy relationships. It's possible. Absolutely. Fantastic. I think that's very powerful, especially when you're talking about, you know, your future doesn't have to match your past, but some, but very often we're so powerful creators that we can actually make a future that, that completely mirrors what we did, what happened to us in the past. It's the default, basically. Yeah. Yeah. If we're going to give away our power and say someone else did that to me, then of course we can certainly create that in the, in the future. Can't we? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> and if Barry, if someone wants to find out more about you or, or from what they've heard on this program, they, they want to contact you about working with you or maybe just grab your Facebook Live, how do they go about reaching out to you? Um, well, on Facebook, my name, is, my name is my page, so Barry Selby. My business page is Barry Selby, the author, where that's where, my, that's where all my Facebook Lives go to ah. live. Right? Um, if they want to get some help directly, they go to my website, which is my name again. I, a friend of mine a long time ago, thankfully, told me, probably back in 2008, 2007, when you get on a new platform, try and grab your full name so as your, as your handle. That way it's easy to remember. So everywhere I go, so on Twitter, Facebook, LinkedIn, Pinterest, everything's all my name. It's easy to find. Right. Um, my website also is my name, so it's easy to find there. And if you're, particularly if you're a woman, but if you're a man who's also looking for help in their relationships, I do offer a 30-minute complimentary conversation. And that's the let's chat. Uh, navigation choice on the menu bar. Uh, Barry, can I ask you to say that one more time? It glitched out a little bit. I just want to get the audio right. Oh, yeah, no, no, please. Um, I appreciate that. 
Yeah. Um, I'm a website. If you go to barrysilver.com, I offer a 30 minute conversation. It's my, my gift to you complimentary. If you go to the let's chat in the navigation bar, then in the menu, you'll sign up for a 30 minute conversation, get my calendar and we can talk. Fantastic. Barry, I really appreciate your time. And this has been, you know, I, I know that we've touched on a lot of topics and really didn't dive deep into any particular one. So I, can I, can I reserve the right to, uh, to call you back, to bring you back for the guys? Would that be cool? Let me think about that. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> It'd be a pleasure, Adam. I appreciate it. it. Sounds great, man. Uh, thank you so much, Barry. And, um, and yeah. That's it for our show today. We appreciate you listening. Take a stand in your community today. We're all in this together. Listen, if you know it's time and you're ready to take on your life, then I encourage you to schedule a totally free, bullshit-free discovery call with me, Adam M. Lamb. No obligation, just direct, transparent, and supportive conversation at adammlamb.com forward slash freedom. If you or someone you know needs help, call 1-800-273-8255 for the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline. You can also text HOME to 741-741 for free 24-hour support from the crisis text line. Outside of the U.S., please visit the International Association for Suicide Prevention for a database of resources. All links available in the show notes. Manifesto Radio is a proud supporter of The Mankind Project. MKP is a nonprofit training and educational organization for men with three decades of proven success hosting life-changing, experiential, personal development programs for men. MKP supports a global network for free peer-facilitated men's groups and supports men in leading lives of integrity, authenticity, and service. Get involved at mankindproject.org. Also, Journeyman. Journeyman mentors adolescent young men and boys aged 12 to 17 during their transformation to becoming men. Their mentors model authentic masculinity and nurture self-awareness and emotional growth while challenging and assisting boys to discover their unique gifts. They honor their emerging masculinity and youthful energy alike. In short, they help teenage boys grow into men, donate, or become a mentor at journeymanashville.org. Subscribe to the show at the website or on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, or TuneIn. Please take the time to leave a kind review. It really does help in the rankings so others can find us as well. You can reach me at facebook.com forward slash manifesto radio, on Twitter at at radio underscore manifesto, or directly at adam at manifestoradio.com. Till next time, be well, do well, and take care of one another. I'm Adam M. Lamb. Thanks for listening. Honey, leave the hall light on. I'll be coming home soon. Thanks for listening to this episode of Manifesto Radio, part of the Wide Awakening Network. Connect with us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Produced, directed, and hosted by Adam M. Lamb. Adam is a best-selling author, speaker, and relationship coach for men. Find out what's possible for you at www.adammlamb.com.